You're listening to The Antos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories and the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Matt. And I'm Vaughn. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. She once asked Ruin why he had chosen her. The primary answer is simple. It had little to do with her personality, attitudes, or even skill with allomancy. She was simply the only child Ruin could find who was in a position to gain the right hemorrhagic spike, one that would grant her heightened power with bronze, which would then let her sense the location of the Well of Ascension. She had an insane mother, a sister who was a seeker, and was herself misborn. That was precisely the combination Ruin needed. There were other reasons, of course but even Ruin didn't know them. Each hemallergic spike driven through a person's body gave Ruin some small ability to influence them. This was mitigated, however, by the mental fortitude of the one being controlled. In most cases, depending on the size of the spike and the length of time it had been worn, a single spike gave Ruin only minimal powers over a person. He could appear to them, could warp their thoughts slightly, making them overlook certain oddities. For instance, their compulsion for keeping and wearing a simple earring. I've always wondered about the strange ability of allomancers to have strange ability of allomancers have to pierce the mist. When one burned tin, he or she could see farther at night, looking through the mist. To the layman, this might seem like a logical connection. Tin, after all, enhanced the senses. The logical mind, however, may find a puzzle in this ability. How exactly would tin let one see through the mist? An obstruction. As an obstruction, they are unconnected with the quality of one's eyesight. Both the nearsighted scholar and the long-sighted scout would have the same trouble seeing into the distance if there was a wall in the way. This, then, should have been our first clue. Allomancers could see through the mist because the mist were indeed composed of the very same power of allomancy. Once attuned by burning tin, the allomancer was almost part of the mist. Therefore, they became more translucent to him. All right, seventy-four to seventy-six. Um, why did why did Vin keep the earring? We kept pointing that out in the in the first in the first book, right? Like, why would she keep this thing? You know, doesn't it, it must have sentimental value? But like, it was really driven forth that she did not want to let it go. Right. At any point. And this is one of those things that we talked about when we talked about ruin from the beginning was that. Um, pre well of ascension, he only had the power to just like give little nudges here and there, uh, which is why it was so amazing that he was able to like get his plan the way he was because he had so little that he was working with when it was all said and done. And another thing, Brandon's just like flexing in front of our faces, like you big dummies, do you even know what mist is? Like, right, it has nothing to do with how good you look yet. Why could they just pierce it and see through it? This was something we actually pointed out, uh, or at least I actively pointed out uh, in um, Final Empire, because they were like, yeah, they were able to just like see through the mist. They were just able to go boing, mm-hmm. like right through it. And I admit I was the dumb dumb too. I was like Me listening too. to it. And I didn't going, even think about this. I didn't even think, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Just because your eyesight's better doesn't mean you can see through anything. Another thing, too, about this is I really think that I struggled with the idea of of taking it literally 
like when they would talk about being able to see through the mist, I kind of just assumed I was like, oh, you know, with intent with enhanced eyesight, you can see the shadows moving perfectly. You know, you can see people a lot better. And uh, I think I was just like in my brain subconsciously just thinking away the literal meaning of like, no, you can just literally see through the mist. Right. And and when that was pointed out and I read that epigraph for the first time, I was like, dang, um, yeah. Like if I would have just taken it literally and actually took some time to think about it, why could you see through this? And, you know, it kept hinting the whole time that, you know, the mist could have been part of preservation's power and stuff. And then, like, we we know for sure now that the mist was like, ooh, maybe maybe that's about to be said or it was said previously. I'll wait a second on what I was about to say, and uh, we'll come back to it. So let's just jump right in. So these these chapters are pretty, pretty quick. So 74, we just get Ellen's point of view, and Fadrick is safe, and he, he basically tells Yeoman that he needs to go and take everyone into the caverns for safety right now because they don't know what's going on, and the Coloss just left, and so he's like, Ruin has something planned. So we need to get everyone into the caverns and into safety. And uh, Yeoman ends up, you know, having a heart-to-heart with Ellen being like, dude, you know, I still believe in the Lord Ruler. Like, this is his plan. But he uses believers and non-believers all the same. And Ellen, you you are a good man. Like, I was wrong about you. You were, you were a good man. And so he gives Ellen his last beat of ATM. And Ellen's like, you know, how'd you do it? How'd you pretend to be an Alamancer? And he goes, I wasn't. I'm an ATM misting. I'm a seer. And we had this thought process where he, well, Ellen kind of says exactly what we are thinking as readers at this point, which is, you know, with all the stuff going on right now, they never said that that was impossible. So I guess that makes sense. You know, there must be mistings for every single metal. We just, you know, they just don't, they're just not found normally because it's not as easy to find these kinds of mistings. And ATM, how the heck would they find an ATM misting? They're going to go waste ATM on a bunch of people to try to try to figure that out. No way. So that's the end of this uh, of chapter 74. Chapter 75, we get Sazed's point of view. And he is ta- he's finished up talking with the first generation about the terrorist religion. And, you know, they worshipped Terror, which we end up realizing that Terror is preservation. So they, they, they worship preservation. And you know, he. we see the climax, we see the conclusion of Sazed's battle of faith in this moment. And he realizes that even after learning the religion of his homeland, the religion that he sought out so much before this, he's still struggling. And then that's when it finally clicks, where he just goes, of course I'm struggling. I'm, you know, I'm, he takes what the Condra said to heart. I'm looking for something perfect. And that's just not what this is. You ha- In order for a religion to be successful, in order for this to to have an impact, you just have to have faith. And that's what he says. He says, you know, I'm not an atheist. I was never cut out for that. I'm going to have faith. And the person that he's going to have faith in is that someone's watching, but ultimately it's the hero of ages. It's Vin. He believes in Vin. And he, th- and he knows that she's going to come back and she's going to save everyone. So while he's having this uh, epiphany, essentially, uh, we realize that the mist are gone and the Condra are telling everyone. And we know what happened, you know, before Vin pulled all the mist to her at a point. And, you know, 
it's kind of surprising here because the first generation are like, oh gosh, you know, the day of resolution might be here. And are like, you know, we can't ignore the prophecies anymore. And the first generation ends up telling us, telling Sazed, and we finally learn of the point in the contract that requires the mass suicide. The The point in the contract is, uh, I don't know, man, actually thinking about this, we might have to change that word, you know, off, off camp here. If we ever move this to another place. Um, anyway, that was, sorry, that was me going, going, going in my own head for a second. But yeah, the first generation needs to tell Sazed about the Lord Ruler and how he mentioned that one day they might need to in themselves and the way they're going to do that the mass is by removing alive. yeah the the mass and alive and yeah uh i just go back and edit that point and be like beep mm-hmm. i'm alive um but yeah so the first generation here is, is they have to remove their spikes he says that there may come a day where you need to re- remove their spikes and here there it is this is what i wanted to say we learn that the reason the alamancers can see through it so perfectly the mist and the, is that the mist are the body of preservation. The mist are the, the, the power, the body of preservation in that sense. And we know that Vin just took that power, just brought that power into herself. So Caesar mentions that someone else, exactly what we're thinking at this point too, someone else, if the mist are gone, someone else must have taken the mist. Someone else must have taken the power of preservation to continue the fight against Rune. And he realizes it's Vin. She is the hero of ages, and she's going to save everybody. And with that, the fifth generation come in and take control of everyone, with the second generation leading a coup. And Sazed is captured, the first generation is captured, and they are forced to leave the body of a god, but the, the the set of ATM in the hands of a group of traitors. And that's the end of 75. 76. Oh my gosh, we're here. We're here. 76. Vin has ascended to godhood. According to Rune, welcome to godhood, Vin. And we get Vin's point of view where she's flying above the world. He mentions how she can see, like she has a sense of everything at once. But, like, she has to, in order to, like, see things, she has to, like, focus her consciousness on a point. And we learn exactly how Ruin has been seeing everything. He literally can sense everything. He can come in on focus on one point, but he he can sense everything that's happening on this world. She realizes that the Lord Ruler created the caverns as bunkers to keep people alive a little bit longer. And she, she, she kind of blessed them in that moment, like... No, I think she thinks back, and this moment kind of gets me a little bit too because we hated the Lord Ruler, but when we look back at this moment, we get we get the repeating of what he said. You do not know what I do for mankind, and we see his entire plan where he's not a good person. Okay, he's not. He's he's a pretty terrible person, but the extent of his planning to give mankind a chance. <sighs> There's a very spoiler reason that we have a theory about this. You have a theory of a very spoiler reason of why that's the case, of why like it seems so he didn't care at points and he cared a lot at points. So remember this moment, those of you following the non-spoiler points, remember this moment. And when you finish up uh, a good amount of the Cosmere, at least most of Mistborn's portion, come back to the spoiler episodes, give them a listen. There's a, a theory that we have on why. He he's so caring and so 
hating out of the points. But here he is. He's done so much for mankind. And she starts to, she goes, I need to fix everything. And so she tries to, pl- she plugs the ash mounts and she removes the ash from the atmosphere instantaneously. And then the land catches on fire. And she realizes, oh gosh, the ash was keeping, you know, they're too close to the sun. The ash was keeping the, the land cool, was protecting the land. So she quickly turns the world around to the other side. And then because she turned the world around so quickly, almost instantly again, to, to, to avoid that, these tsunamis start happening on the coast and start killing people. And she feels that. And the minute she goes to stop that, Rune blocks her. And we learn what the true balance is. Rune had let her basically destroy portions of the world by doing that. The minute she tries to do something to actually help, he blocks her power. And he stops her. And he keeps going that way. She realizes, okay, I can save people with this power, but I'm just too new to it. I'm just too new to it. And Ruin's going to keep blocking me, not because he, he believes that I can't, I can't save people. He's going to block me because he can't allow me to learn to use this power. He has to, he has to keep me from learning it quickly. Well, we learn also, we, she sees bright spots all over the world. Those are metal. So we get to actually see it where even to these gods, metals are blind spots. They cannot see past the metals. So, yeah, she learns. She goes, Ruin says that I'm so much stronger that preservation gave up this point, you know, gave up power in order to trap, you know, and to create them, and that I'm weaker. But he's wrong. Currently, I'm completely balanced with him, which means he's looking for something. The thing he's looking for is his body. He's looking for the rest of his power. And with that power, he'll be able to kill me. And with and with that thought, she sees Ellen you know, launching himself on horseshoes towards Luthadel, and that's the end of 76. A lot, a lot to unpack here. Um, we get to see, essentially, godhood. And we get an actual point of view of it, which is crazy. So that's the thing. It's like, we've been talking about, like, where's preservation? Why is preservation not doing something? What's ruin? You know, what is ruin doing? And now we get to, like, see the perspective that they have, you know, um, then it's like expanding into this power and has like her mind like is getting to the point where she can kind of process this stuff where she can focus, you know, here and there, but she has like an awareness of basically everything of everything. And yeah, he talks about how, you know, um, ruin is frustrated by the fact that uh, he's unable to act and she's frustrated that she's unable to act because they both, are basically pushing back against each other. They're able to push mm-hmm. back against each other because they're opposites. Um, I think there was a point in this time, like, if it's not in here, then it's pretty close, that she like tries to push up against Ruin, and it's yeah, like, that's gonna extremely be the next painful. Um, yeah. You know, and it's like, because they're opposites, and they're just stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, this is Even, like the big moment that everyone wants to focus on. Um, yeah, he even he even points out exactly what uh, what is it Kelsier said, where he goes, "For every push, there's a pull. For every ruin, there's preservation. For every bit of preservation, there's ruin." Right, and so this was a talk of like you know the balance and everything like that, uh, and, and allomancy, and this is actually something that's been somewhat hinted at a lot, especially mm-hmm. in Hero of Ages, where he's like consequences, consequences. There's something about this. There's something about this that we have to understand. Um, 
And it's like there are literal embodiments of these consequences in the at this point. Um, and then the myths being, you know, part of preservation, um, like this is being preservation's power. We talked about um, how these different parts uh, seem to have like a solid um, and a liquid, you know, that we have, we have mm-hmm. ATM, which was like the embodiment, the solid embodiment of ruin. Um, we have like the well of ascension, which was like the liquid embodiment of preservation and the vapor, you know, being the mist, uh, being, you know, we talk about that as like, as the body, as we understand it in terms of, you know, godhood in here. Um, Whereas, like, preservation wasn't, you know, just the mist. Preservation was in, you know, everything, was part of everything. And that's why Ven's able to essentially sense all this stuff. But this was, like, preservation's power. Um, And that's why she was able to go, you know, full anime protagonist uh, in the previous chapters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and to think about that, too, she notices that she sees Ruin. And when she sees Ruin, you know, air quotes there she sees ruin as a as a set of black mist and so like that 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 remember we even saw that in what what was it well of ascension when she entered down she saw ruin before she took up the power as this little bit of black mist or smoke i think it's how they described it yeah but that was that was another hint again as to what the mist were you know if that was ruin in in that room then it's isn't it super obvious that preservation is the mist surrounding essentially the world? I you say super obvious, but I mean, it could have very easily said like, oh, the mists are ruined, you know, because they destroy so many things and they're killing all these people and yada, 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 yada. And then we, we, learn, we learn more about that in the epigraphs coming up here in a second. Right. Um, and then we get through like, you know, the parts of the religion of, of Terrace. Um, and how mm-hmm. the Chandra, we go back to a long time ago, uh, like in chapter like three, where they're like, and there is a part of the contract where the Chandra must commit mass mm-hmm. unaliving. Um, yeah. And now they're like, yeah, the resolution, that was that thing. That's part of the contract yeah. that we have uh, from the first contract with the Lord Ruler. There's gonna be there's going to be an epigraphs moment where it just gives me chills here coming up. I'm not gonna talk about it yet, but like the the I don't think, you know, it's not up to this point until the next couple of chapters that we don't realize how key I didn't even realize this the first time I read through it, but like how key the Condra were to the Lord Ruler's plan and how crazy it, like that setup was. Just like the layers and layers. I mean, you give a guy a thousand years to plan, you know, he should come up with a pretty good one. But like Andy, he touched, he, t- he got that awareness that Vin has right now, you know, this sense of everything just for a moment and yeah. what's going on and everything like that. And there's this sense that there's like still things in process. There's still mm-hmm. machinations going on um, that we haven't even really fully been able to see. Um, yeah. Again, I think it's kind of scares me. This is a little off topic, but it just popped in my head. We won't talk about it too much. It kind of scares me that the Lord Ruler holding the power was only able to go going back was only able to create Steel Inquisitors, Chandra, and Coloss with Hemalurgy. But that's not even close to the end of what could have been made. That's only what he could have made. That's only what he made with the expanded mind. 
and without the expanded might, he was never successful again in another hemallergic creation. And oh man! And I mean, the other thing is, is that from what we can tell, ruin was in his ear, you know, during his ascension. guiding, guiding him towards that. Yeah, they're like, hey, by the way, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Mm-hmm. And um, that's you know the thing is that like Vin is now like she's you know baby stepping her way through this power, and she's got ruin who's been. A master of this power for since, you know, eras before she was born. The literal creation of the world. Yes. And so he's sitting here like watching her, like even though she might be like some sort of threat, she's like watching her like, look, you you have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what I've been doing this whole time. Yeah. And it's but it's important here to recognize that she recognizes this too. Um Ruin's blocking her not because he actually cares about her saving saving anyone. Like, that's actually not the reason. He's blocking her because he can't afford to let her try to learn this power because he's so close to winning. Right. All he has to do is keep her from learning the power. But the other thing is, is that uh, he even points out, like, in her, you know, half-handed efforts of trying to do something right, she just keep, makes things significantly worse. And mm-hmm. so you talked to you, you were talking a lot of shade about the Lord Ruler earlier about how, you know, he's all oh, he's a terrible person. He's a terrible person. Well, he's not perfect. But like you look at, you know, what he was doing, he was trying to do. And I've talked about this before. The whole time he had Ruin in his ear. Like now we yeah. know like Ruin, basically, if you were pierced with metal, um, you had to you were you had Ruin in your ear and we knew that his bracers were piercing him. And that was like the mm-hmm. whole point. That was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to be able to get those bracers because they're piercing him. Well, that means Ruin was in his ear the whole time for over a thousand years, you know, mm-hmm. probably appearing to him in different ways um, and, you know, like whispering to him at all times. I mean, you know, it would have messed with your sanity. And also it all would have been like it, he didn't even just have to appear and talk to him because he probably. Um, well, actually, the Lord Ruler did say he appeared to him, but. Mm-hmm. Um, he could have just nudged his emotions a little bit, just pushed him in a certain direction, you know, really, really gently for decades, centuries of time to be able to do stuff. And he even said, like, I don't even know, like, what is me and what is, you know, the thing that's trying yeah. to influence me. Yeah, I think there comes a point. The reason I, I still argue that I don't think he was a good person was because he even he even admits it he says like and i think the 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 author of the epigraphs even even talks about it a bit where it's just like hey you know a lot of what he did a lot of the really cruel things he did in the very beginning were most likely purely because it was the way to give him the best chance to come back around and take the power again you know he created this this caste system he created all these things and while they weren't good things he ultimately did it because he was like this is the way I can keep control to protect the world. But then like, and then like you, like you said with ruin in his ear, he even says on his, his plaques, I don't know if what I do sometimes the cruel things that I do are me or the influence of ruin at points. Um, so like my argument still is he's not a good person, but like you, you can give him a little bit of like empathy here in the sense that, you have you have ruin in your ear for a thousand years. Of course, near the end, you're gonna be you're gonna be pretty messed up no matter what. So there's this thing I recently saw. It's a little off topic, but it's very much like in the vein of this um, about utilitarianism. And I'm gonna 
preface this by saying I'm uh, agnostic on these arguments, but I thought they were very interesting. I haven't really like come to my own conclusions about them. But one of them was talking about how utilitarians are incredibly dangerous or incredibly useless. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And they were talking about how, um, you know, the whole point of utilitarianism, you know, you do the benefit. It's like the trolley problem. You know, yeah. you unalive one person to save five other people. Um, yeah. But the argument was that utilitarianism really comes down to time and just timing. Because you can argue that utilitarianism is perfect at any one point in time. But you can't, you, it's hard to argue, if you argue over an infinite period of time, then utilitarianism can be used to justify anything. And here's what he meant. Mm-hmm. He's like, let's take the trolley problem. You unalive one person, you save five people. If time and the universe ends at that point, then yes, you may have made the right decision because you saved five lives, you know, mm-hmm. by ending one. But if those five lives end up, you know, spawning, you know, a bunch of other people, or causing a series of events that lead to catastrophic outcomes, you know, a billion years from now, then really you actually did the wrong thing. So you wait, yeah. you didn't, but then if you wait another billion years and everything turns out okay, then you did the right thing. Um, yep. And he they said, in theory, if you talk about, um, let's pretend that, you know, humanity spreads across the stars and has, then there's trillions and trillions and trillions of people. Then you could argue that killing 4 billion people right now is nothing Mm -hmm. compared to the outcomes for trillions down the line. So what's my point with that? The the Lord ruler is in the same position. He's talking, he's thinking in millennia of time. So, you know, unaliving a few thousand people, a few hundred people, or, you know, causing them to suffer right now is nothing compared to the billions that he could be say, dealing with later on. Yeah, and, like, it's nothing compared to the world literally ending And so, with Ruin being released. And this is just thinking from a truly utilitarian, only a utilitarian standpoint. Him, him trying to do the maximum good for the maximum number of people He's like, well, on the timescale of centuries or thousands of, you know, or whatever, you know, a few, you know, dozen, hundred thousand people right now is nothing. Um, and this also could have uh, been boy ruined in his ear to the chat saying that. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm saying that, like, we talk about, oh, he's not a good person, this and that. I'm not saying he's perfect. And if you look at the way he was yeah. before ascending, he probably wasn't a great guy. Um, but it sure sounds like he really, really tried. Um, he was just trying to having, he was just having to think about all these things. He's like, do I let this one person live? That's a good person and all these other things and doom everyone else as a result. Do I let, do I risk having someone else take up the power, not realizing what is at stake? Or do I take the power of knowing exactly what is at stake? You know? Yeah. And I think it. I think it's even said in one of the previous books. I think it's said through, most likely said through Set, but uh, one of Brandon's thoughts and everything. We you know we've we've already talked about in the previous chapters how Ellen is right. Right, Ellen's recommend like shows the view that Brandon thinks is right, and it's said through Set where he's just like, listen, good people can't make good leaders because ultimately they're not. They're going to. They're not going to make a decision that's going to lead to an outcome of them staying in power. And then, and 
you know, your argument is that a good person should be in power, but a good person will never make the right decision to stay in power. Therefore, they'll always lose versus a, ba- a person who's willing to make bad decisions will stay in power and can ultimately make the better decisions for the group. And that's kind of what we see with what happened with the Lord Ruler was that was like his ultimate, the, the ultimate philosophy with him, which was he did all these terrible things because of what you just said, which was, I'm not going to risk that anyone else without the knowledge I have can ruin this. You know, we are going, I'm going to be the one that comes out the other end because I know exactly what's at stake and I know exactly what needs to be done. Right. And so that's the thing is like, this is a, it's funny because like, it's a super, this is such a cool story, but like when you really, and this is why we started this podcast is like, we started this project because these are the lessons. These are the things that you think about that like are kind of skirting under the surface. And I will tell you for a fact that in a few chapters, um, one of our characters are going to give their opinion that the Lord Ruler was actually a good person. And it's a pretty important character, if you don't remember. And so I say, let's go ahead and move on and we'll get to there and I will be proven right. Hey everyone, Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.